All right. Thank you all for taking this most delightful trek with us yet again. This is our fifth recorded episode. Hope you enjoyed our live stream from this past Thursday. Um, today, I have with me Jason McCammon. Jason, tell everyone hello. Hello, everyone. Sorry, I had to fix my mic real quick. This is uh, my second time on your show, so I'm a newbie. And uh, glad to be here again. Uh, he might be new, but he ain't new to this. <laughs> um, uh, not, really. not at all. Not at all. Not at all. All right. So uh, what I would love for you to do, Jason, is to kind of re recap. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't explain to everyone. What we're doing today is we are going to be talking about Star Trek Into Darkness. And we're talking about Star Trek Into Darkness because although it was like for a very short period of time, that movie talked about Section 31. And so we're going to delve into that particular movie just a little bit. And I would love for Jason to give us a, a recap of the movie. Uh, yeah, it was a, a very small, small point in that movie. I mean, a small section where they actually talked about it. Um, but it does suggest a lot of things that do happen in the background. Um, so... Let's just start by, oh yeah, first, okay, so Star Trek Into Darkness is uh, the second film made by J.J. Abrams, second Star Trek film made by J.J. Abrams um, uh, in 2013, I believe, and off the top, I'll just say that there were these movies have been very good for the Star Trek franchise. Uh, I think they, they really led into Discovery being made, Picard being made, and putting Star Trek back on the map because uh, they he showed he modernized it and showed what Star Trek can look like and feel like. I think one of the tags was like, "This is not your daddy Star Trek," when 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 he came out. So in general, uh, it's great that he made these films and he's a great filmmaker. I, I watched a lot of his stuff. Uh, uh, I see Star Wars, but uh, Fringe and Lost. Uh, a couple of shows and a couple of my favorite shows. Uh, so let's get right into it. Um, even I say all that, but I'll let you know that I do have my issues with the actual film itself. So put that aside. I, I no, no, no. Tell, tell us know. what your issues are, Jason. I, I'll tell you. I mean, <laughs> I, I got issues. I'll tell them as we go. Um, okay, okay, I say overall, I feel like they, uh, you know, maybe it's, too much CGI and too much fast-paced things that sometimes you lose a little of the slow emotional touches that Star Trek has uh, in certain scenes, and we'll we'll get into that. Um, I, I think sometimes they skip over the Star Trek lore science a little bit just just for uh, uh, plot sake, even though Star Trek itself has done it; uh, it's contradicted itself before. So, all right, uh, but so let's start off. This movie um, starts out. Uh, with uh, uh, Kirk and Bones running on a planet with indigenous people. They're running from the indigenous people. Um, they, they, they're, they're white and yellow and the trees are red. It's like a Ghost of Tsushima scene, if you've ever played that game. Um, so they're running away from these indigenous people. And the whole point at that time is they're trying to save these indigenous people from this volcano that's going to explode. Um, so 
Spock has to go into the volcano and put a cold fusion bomb in there to save the day. And he's running from them. He stole one of their like God pictures of their gods or something or a statue of their God and ran away. So they would chase after him to, to get them away from it as well. Um, and then uh, 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 Spock is in the volcano and he can't get out. And he's basically going to sacrifice himself to save, save the day. This is in the first like five minutes of the film. Um, but and, and the Enterprise is below the ocean because they cannot break the prime directive by letting these indigenous people see the ship. So the ship's in the ocean, but Kirk says, forget that. We're going to rise up out the waters and save our boy. Uh, so he does that. And Spock's kind of like he, they raise out the water and Spock's really weirded out by that because like you literally just broke the, the, the prime directive by doing this. Um, so this sets off two things. First, it sets off uh, Spock and Uhuru start going at it because she can't believe he just did that to sacrifice himself and he didn't care about her and what she thought about it. And it sets off a small tension between Kirk and Spock because Spock doesn't understand why he saved them and, and Kirk's, that's his job. That's how he, it's about feelings and friends, right? Um, so. One reason, one question I got is I don't understand why the starship is in the water in the first place. It's it's a starship, and they, they they gave no reason why the Enterprise was underwater. And I think that the entire point of the Enterprise being underwater is because somebody had an idea of seeing the ship rise out of the water. They just wanted that scene, so they put it in the movie. They did this twice in the film. They did it at the end too in the clouds. Okay. It rose up out the clouds. Uh -huh. So I don't know. Next time it's going to be. A, Rising up out of trees in the next movie. I don't know. It's, somebody just love to see the smoke and the water coming off the ship as it slowly rises. And you're just like, oh my God, there it is. But anyway, I have no idea why you have a starship in the ocean. Um, so then we skip to court. Uh, uh, oh, Kirk getting court-martialed by Admiral Pike. Uh, because so, so they broke the prime directive by uh rising up out of the water, but they also broke the prime directive by trying to save the people in the first place because they were only there for a survey of the area and they took it amongst Kirk took it amongst himself to save those people. So, there's two things uh that he did to break the prime directive, and uh, he got court martial for it. Um, and then He's pissed at Spock again because Spock wrote a completely truthful report and told Starfleet exactly what they did. Somehow Kirk thought Spock was going to lie about the whole thing because Kirk lied. He said, oh, nothing happened. <laughs> He's like literally said, oh, nothing happened. We just drove the ship around. Everything's cool. We came back. So I don't understand how he's mad at Spock because Spock wrote a truthful report. Like, wouldn't you expect Spock to do that? You think that's odd? No, that is totally in character with something that Spock would do. Right. And to you as a viewer, but shouldn't Kirk know that? I think Kirk should know that as well. I think he should, but I think um, this is also pretty early on in their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, I want to touch on the prime direct directive because I'm wondering if you would agree with that 
idea in the prime directive that they should not save those people. They should not interfere. They call that interfering with the natural development. So do you think they should not interfere with that? No, I really think um, they shouldn't have interfered. Although I do understand why he did. Like, it was just like, we could do it. Like, they would never know. You know what I'm saying? But in terms of how we understand the prime directive and what, you know, what we've come to understand from the prime directive. No, nah, he really should not have done that. Even um, uh, Spock. Spock shouldn't have even been trying to um, stop the volcano from erupting. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, agreed. Um, I mean, I, I get that we get that, that that that's the law of the prime directive, but do you personally feel that the they should that the prime directive should go that far as to not because there was another episode of TNG called Pen Pals where Data was talking to this little girl and he he ended up getting Picard to break the prime directive to save her people. But at first he was like, no, she's gonna die, she's gonna die. But he ended up getting Picard to save those people. So Picard broke it at that point. So I just I just feel like maybe the prime directive goes too far in some of those situations. So if you're asking me if I would have broken the prime directive, if I were in the situation, I probably would have broken the prime directive if I were in that situation. Um, mostly because I do value life. Um, and if there were a way to do it safely it, and it wouldn't have harmed it wouldn't have harmed the 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 local people, the indigenous people, and it wouldn't have ha harmed us or our our mission. I would have done it too, to be right. honest with you. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um. Oh, so yeah. So where were we? So the next, uh, I guess that's sort of the B plot. The A plot starts coming in now, right? Where we got uh. This guy who is uh, uh, met by Khan, who he gets the guy to blow up this archive. Uh, and it was first, it was just some building, nobody knew what it was. And they realized it was, it was just an, an archive. Um, and he does this because he can save the man's daughter. It's like, well, if you blow this place up, uh, I guess, and yourself, and I can save your daughter's life. <clears throat> See, if I was me, I'd be like, save my daughter's life first. Because <laughs> how do I know you go? <laughs> but um, uh, which gets all the senior uh, staff together, senior uh, starship captains and, and admirals together to a meeting room where they talk, they figure out, you know, who it is. It, it was Harris, um, and and what they and, and what he destroyed and what he wants and everything. Uh, and that's when Kirk just suddenly figures out. At this point, Kurt is okay. So let's talk about this. Kurt was knocked down from captain and kicked back to school, <laughs> right? <laughs> so they kicked yeah. him back down. He said, "Go back yeah. to school." Yeah. And then, yeah. and then two minutes later, he was promoted <laughs> to <laughs> first officer <laughs> did, by the same he... dude. By the same dude who told him. <laughs> you're, you're going back to the academy but did you notice the entire time all of this is happening he still had his captain pips on did you notice that oh when he was at the bar i didn't even notice no that. like um when they were at the meeting when um oh. when con was shooting was shooting in um yeah. he still had his captain pips on like all of that happened he he lost his captaincy 
he he found out he was going to uh to the academy. He then later found out that he was going to become a commander, and he still has his his captain pips on. Like it's like I don't understand. Yeah, one of those one of those things where where they don't they don't give Kirk time to learn lessons in in the J.J. Abrams film. He doesn't have he he never has enough time to actually reconcile with his mistakes or anything like that. Um. And then uh, while they're at the meeting, Cotton comes in and just blows the shit out of everybody. Pew, 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 pew. She just shoots everybody, kills Pike. Kirk throws a fire extinguisher or something. In the, <laughs> no, he throws a gun <laughs> with a water hose, right? Is that what it is? Like a water hose and throws a gun into the deflector and, yep, yep. and exactly destroys the ship. <laughs> and, and if you look at Khan, when the ship's ground down, he doesn't care. He's just like looking at him like, I'll see, I'll see you later. And then he, so Khan yeah. teleports, and Scotty finds this device that says, "Oh, this is like a personal transporter." Whatever he said, whatever he called it, um, yeah, portable transwarp doohickey sends them straight to Kronos. Like, mm-hmm. where is this technology coming from? But I guess maybe it was built by these Section Thirty One people. In a section mm-hmm. thirty-one place, because mm-hmm. um, I was gonna say it, uh, the only other person that did that was Scotty in the movie before that, which was kind of ridiculous in itself. When he transported onto the Enterprise when it was like light years away, mm. um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's a first piece of technology. I think everybody can use that. He transported to Kronos. Um, then uh, Pike dies, and Kirk goes to Admiral Marcus and says, uh, well, he's at Kronos. Starfleet can't go to him because he's right there. Uh, he's not even in the neutral zone. He's on Kronos, and Starfleet can't go there otherwise it would cause a war, but I could go. Which I think is kind of weird because he's going in a Starfleet ship. So I think it's weird he says, I can go, uh, but Starfleet can't go. But whatever, that flies. So in that scene where he's doing that, <laughs> there is a uh, there's a there's a picture. There's a there's a uh, Admiral Marcus has all these spaceships in a line, and he has at the end of the line is his starship, um, which is the uh, Vengeance USS Vengeance. So I thought I thought that was weird because this is a secret ship, right? It's being built in secret. Uh, so I was wondering. Is that just hubris or sheer fucking hubris? <laughs> it's like from uh, or oh no! <laughs> oh my god! You put that up quick. You put that. How did you put that up so quick? Uh, I'm got, good on it. I'm good on it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you got the uh, spaceship. Uh, yes, I do. Hold on. I gotta find it here. <laughs> but that was man, you were you was quick on that. Uh, but look at he's staring right at it, and that's it right there at the end. I wonder if they expected anybody to notice that. Because <clears throat> I'm sitting there going through the ships. If, if you know, if I hadn't seen the movie before, I wouldn't have noticed it. But another time okay. watching the movie, because you 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 go walk through the ships and say, which ones do I know? Oh, that's the Phoenix. Oh, that's an XO and X1. Oh, that's you know. Really? No, I don't pay attention. I, like, uh, look, look, look. Oh, look if I see a stream, 
Does uh, it look like the original uh, Enterprise? Does it look like Archer's Enterprise? Does it look, you know, like there are certain ones that I can just, I can pick out, but in general, like, nah, I'm not trying to. That's well, I've always thing. noticed throughout, um, like even TNG, like stars, uh, captains will have starships in their quarters. Mm -hmm. Or, it, well, Picard had him in his ready room. He had, and they often will have like a clipper ship of the Enterprise, mm -hmm. and then they'll have like a space shuttle. Uh, mm -hmm. Marcus had like a space shuttle. I don't know which one it was. Probably Enterprise, or could have been Challenger or whatever. And also, Archer had drawings of them in his in his quarters. Mm -hmm. So whenever Picard I see, Picard also him, had like a like a a ship ship in a bottle. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then he had them on the. Uh, uh, first contact, he had him behind glass. Mm -hmm. He smashed it. He was like, no! Mm -hmm. <laughs> it stops here. Um, yeah. Where's where, where, where we at? Uh, so, uh, so they send Kirk over to Kronos. And his, his, he's given the 72 torpedoes by Admiral Marcus to put on his ship. There's these special torpedoes that's going to blow whatever away. State of the art. Uh, so Scotty sees this and he, he won't let him on the ship. Well, he'll let him on the ship, but he wants to know, he wants some specifications. He wants to know what, what, what is this? You have to give me some manual instructions for these things or something. And I, I totally agree with him that how are you going to put something on the ship when you don't even know what it is? You're talking about weapons. You have to know how to store it, how to handle it. I'm sure how to ignite it to, to, to shoot out what would be too much, what would be too little. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous that Kirk would just be like, oh, no, nah, just bring him on the ship. You know? Uh, but I do think it's kind of weird that Scotty is the one handling them because the ship should have an armorer like Malcolm Reed. And like mm -hmm. when they brought it on TNG, Worf would have inspected weapons going on TNG, not Jordy, you know. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> so I think that whole scene where Scotty gets fired is just to get him off the ship for later on to do, you know, do something later on in the show. What's it gonna do? I don't know, but gotta be off the ship to do it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um. But, and also on the ship, is a new passenger called Carol Wallace. And Carol Wallace comes on the ship, and uh, Spock figures out that your name ain't Wallace, and her name ends up being Carol Marcus. Now, Carol Marcus is, a, uh, is from Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan. Um, so, first, yep, there she goes. That is... Uh, her and James Kirk had a relationship back in the day. They actually had like a sort of meaningful relationship, but they were both too attracted to their jobs. Uh, and they eventually, you know, drifted apart. She got pregnant and uh, had a boy, had Kirk's son. So Carol Marcus originally is, Car is uh, Captain Kirk's baby daddy. But this Carol Marcus is uh, not that. She is uh, Admiral Marcus's Admiral Marcus's uh, daughter, and I kind of feel like, in a way, they just they they just put her in this <laughs> in this film for like that one shot where she's like half naked. 
That's, like, that's just like one of those things where it's like, why did you even, why did you put that shot in there? Yeah, that's the one. And you just like turn around, silly. Turn around. And he's just like staring at her for another few seconds. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I should turn around. It's <laughs> like somebody's had a vision, like, yeah, I'm gonna put in there like that. But I do think it's interesting that they use Carol Marcus, even if she wasn't the same Carol Marcus as she's the character's not the same. Because obviously we all know in the Kelvin timeline things are going to change. Um one thing she brings up is that when he when he first meets her, he says, Oh, uh, she says, Oh, um, uh Christine Chapel says hi. And he's like, Christine Chapel, Christine Chapel, played by our legendary uh Mama Mama Roddenberry. <laughs> Major Barrett. Major Barrett, Mama Roddenberry. Um yeah, that's that's Nurse Chapel, Christine Chapel. Uh, but in here, they kind of just mention her as uh, some fling that Kirk had back in the day that he doesn't even remember. So I don't know why they did chapel like that. Made him one of one of Kirk's floozies. I don't know what you think about that. Uh, uh, which that part? Doesn't matter. Um, I guess that they just kind of like made nurse. They put her in there, but then they just made her one of these floozies that Kirk had. Well, I mean, if you if you really think about it, like they have like kind of xed out. Um, Nurse Chapel, like yeah. I, we saw, her like maybe what was it, like one movie, maybe two, and then that was it. Done. Yeah, never saw her again. Even though she was alive, and she could have, she could have been there. Well, she started playing the role of uh, <clears throat> Lawaxana Troy. Lawaxana Troy. <clears throat> Who I mean, yeah, like I don't know, like I like I kind of think uh, Lawaxana was um, probably the best thing that happened. To her, in my opinion, um, because definitely Luaxana had a presence. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So did her just being the voice of the ship. Mm hmm. Well, Luaxana, you you loved her, you hated her. You know, sometimes she was annoying. Who hated her? Who hated her? I mean, I'm that was sure her, her role was to be annoying, but in an endearing way. I'm sure some people didn't like. I I liked her and I got it, but I'm sure some people. Like Picard hated her, couldn't stand her. She talked too much, <laughs> which is wasn't you know that wasn't his thing. I, you know, say I what think, you got to say. I think he liked her. He just had to keep thinking that he hated her, so she didn't pick up him uh, thinking about her in types of naked ways. <laughs> yeah, That's what you think. That's what you think. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think she would have? She would have known that. Like, like she, you know, she's used to people. You know, doing that kind of stuff. She, you know, she's got to be used to that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> where are we at? We uh, we got the torpedoes and the and and right. oh, we got the girl on there. We got Nurse Chapel. Uh, so oh, so Kirk gets to the planet and instead of uh, just firing like Admiral Marcus wants him to get, he wants him to just go there and just shoot all those missiles. Which is completely against Starfleet regulations. But before he leaves, he does tell him about Section 31. We forgot that. He says he tells him Section 31 is a secret organization You're developing weapons like what for the next war, something like that. And that's when our Admiral Marcus brings up Section 31. So you can infer that every everything you see from Admiral Marcus from then on is 
from a section 31 standpoint uh once once you get that once and then you understand his motives a little more so uh they go down there and con and you know they they, they take uh uhura and and spock now, normally it used to be like bones and and spock but i i get why they're, they're doing it different and actually it makes a difference it, it makes sense in this particular scenario because uhura is the Uhuru is the communications expert and would be able to help speak the Klingon. Um, which one is is one of the the good things that I like about this Uhuru is that she can speak different languages. She's an actual linguist, just like Hoshi was on uh, Star Trek Enterprise, because it makes perfect sense for her for her her character. Whereas TOS didn't have that. They just Uhura could barely she could speak English and that was it. I mean, they were on. Uh, they were looking up words in Klingon to say to Klingons in situations in the Star Trek movies, and very badly. And I'm surprised that that scene even made it through. <clears throat> but uh, I think that's a good adaptation to to what the communication officer does, and they should stay on that legacy. Um, <clears throat> uh, you agree? Well, in the original um, television show, uh, some of the earlier episodes, she was a linguist. In fact, uh, she was one of the best that um, that Star Trek had ever produced. Um, we didn't see her use her skills that much, um, right. but she, but she was she she basically she relied upon the computer to help her um, because remember by that point they had already um, they had already created the uh, the. Whatever it was that Hoshi had created, the universal, universal translator. translator. So you know she didn't really have to do it, but if she really had to, she was able to um, use her skills as a linguist to kind of figure things out. Um, but you're right. Um, I do remember on um, Undiscovered Country, she was at the last minute like trying to speak Klingon, and she did a horrible job at it. But it was funny. Like it provided right. a, a funny moment. <clears throat> it was yeah, it was funny, but it's kind of it's a little ridiculous at the same time. But funny, I liked it. I, I I'm not sure if I'm liking Spock and Uhura's relationship, not just because it's them two, but I I just feel like they're doing it as a gimmick because they like they like like we want to see them arguing about well I don't you just don't get my feelings you know stuff like that. That's how she talks to him all the time. Like he first of all you're a linguist and if you're a linguist you have to know something about culture. And of course, you know something about Klingon. So why don't you understand that Spock is just not that emo not the emotional guy you want him to be? Like, for her to get upset about that is is I think that's just like scripty banter for us to be like, ha oh, ha, oh, look at them arguing, a human in a falcon, ha oh, oh, ha oh. ha. You know what I mean? I, I don't like the way mm -hmm. it's just thrown together like that. <clears throat> anyway, uh, actually, the Klingons about to kill her i guess they didn't like their relationship either i was about to stab her and mm -hmm. khan comes in and saves the day now i'm all in for the idea of khan coming and save the day but i just thought the whole fight was just like it was just a, a mischance of decent action it was just like bad shots that shot right there he literally stood there the entire scene and and 30 klingons could not shoot him I'm trying to figure that wrap my brain around the fact that nobody could shoot him. And he wasn't even really moving. He was kind of standing in one spot. 
I think I feel like that's like a completely wasted opportunity for like a decent, a good action scene. You know what I'm saying? Well, he like he did move. Like I'll 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 admit that you know he did he did stand in the same spot you know a little bit longer than you would think, and like nothing was like really obstructing him. Um, so that was kind of odd. However, you know I just kind of I just kind of said, well, you know he's 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 you know he's an augment. Um, and he's been augmented to the fullest in every possible way. Um, and so he just, you know, he, I don't know, he played the odds. He used geometry, physics, I don't know, whatever. And he knew, you know, where to position himself. He calculated where people would be. And so he, you know, he moved accordingly. But there were, there were several times when he moved from his position. Um, so a couple of times he did move, but we were talking about things that moved extremely fast and 30 we're talking about 30 Klingons shooting at you at one time so I figure you got to move a lot well you know Khan was supposed to be that, the best of the best that the best of the best the best of the uh, the rest of his people were are, are dead are not dead frozen <laughs> oh and speaking of which uh Khan's like how many torpedoes you got and he's like 72 and then he suddenly just puts together, oh my God, it must be all my people. But I guess he he put those, he put his people into torpedoes to try to smuggle them somewhere. Mm-hmm. Because he was tired of dealing with Marcus's shit. Mm-hmm. Where he felt like his people were under threat of being killed by Marcus whenever Marcus felt like it, Edward Marcus felt like it. Mm-hmm. So he gets captured. He tells Kirk who he is. And this is a trip. You like if you see that uh when he tells Kirk that he's Khan, he says that like Kirk's supposed to know who the hell he's talking about. He's like, I'm Khan. And Kirk's like, okay. But so like really he's saying that to us as the viewers. To be like, oh my God, that's Khan. And I think a lot of us figured that out already. Um, if you know who Khan is, you probably figured that out. So it, that was like kind of a horrible reveal, I think. And then Marcus comes, Admiral Marcus comes back along and, um, oh, meanwhile, Scotty is, uh, Captain Kirk calls Scotty on a communicator from Kronos to Earth on a communicator. When has this technology ever been uh, invented? There's been no, that's, that's pretty far. I don't think communicators work that that, that far. I thought I was like, "That's crazy." There's like those little things that like they would do in a J.J. Abrams movie, but they wouldn't do in another Star Trek because that didn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? He could have used, he could have patched into some console or something, or got uh, Uhura to to like get them connect connected to him. But anyway, I thought that was kind of silly. Um, so then, so he finds, okay, so Scotty finds this secret base. Now, now they show the shot and I'm not sure it's so big. I think it's a base, but and not the, and not the starship. Cause it's not the, it's not the, uh, it's not the, uh, USS vengeance. He finds a secret star base behind Jupiter. Now, how you can find how you can hide a massive star base behind Jupiter? I mean, this is like a spacefaring 
society and they got chips going everywhere all the time do you mean this is this what you're talking about no 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 um it's like <clears throat> they're going okay everywhere all the time they, they probably have a uh they probably got a base on mars they got of course utopia planitia and if they do that they probably have a base or two on a moon of jupiter so it's pretty i think it's kind of crazy that they actually say there's a secret section 31 base um on i mean like hiding behind jupiter and and on top of that uh this secret 31 section 31 base has no surveillance like they literally can't see scotty coming to their to their base you remember the scene i'm talking about uh, no <clears throat> they, they literally let me see if i can find the uh Uh oh, what happened? <clears throat> yeah. So while you're doing that, um, just let me ask you a couple questions because earlier you talked about uh section 31. So some things that we learned, at least as it relates to the Kelvin timeline. Um, as it relates to Section 31, what we learned was that um, that in this timeline, they are actually indeed a branch of Starfleet intelligence, whereas in the main timeline, what we know and what we understand is that it's actually part of the Federation. Now, being part of the Federation could also mean that they're part of Starfleet, um, but specifically what we're learning is that in the Kelvin timeline, they are part of Starfleet. Um, intelligence and that in and of itself communicates a lot of different information so what it what it's what it's telling you is that it's almost uh, an arm of the militaristic branch of their government mm -hmm. and it's not about diplomacy or even you know 100 percent um intelligence intelligence gathering um it's really look um, this is what we're doing. Th these are our aims. So much so that they are specifically developing defense technology. They're training officers. Um, and the intelligence that they are gathering, it's specifically against the Klingons and any other potential enemies. So that, um, that kind of sets up a situation where, indeed, Starfleet intelligence is set up to be very 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 powerful and if you if you if you go back if you if you take a um a, a step back um on enterprise the the television show they were very very cloak and dagger about mm -hmm. how they operated you know they they didn't even want to be seen out in public right um right. <clears throat> didn't really want you know like no 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 one is gonna believe you yada yada you know all of that um in deep space nine still in the main timeline they're very like out front like we don't care we we gonna do what we gonna do you can tell whoever we like we really don't care um in the kelvin time also on deep space nine we learned that they operated in cells um which meant or which means that uh, what one arm does the other arm doesn't really know. You know what I'm saying? Like right. they're just operating, right? They might receive orders from somewhere on top, um, but they don't even know who who else is is part of Section 31. If that's how they operate, 
But what this is telling us, because um, the, 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 their headquarters was actually in that building in London. So what Khan actually blew up was the Section 31 headquarters, which right. is in and of itself completely different from what we understood from the main timeline. So Section 31, if given the right set of circumstances, could become something other than what we currently understand Section 31 to be. Right. I mean, uh, when I when I first um, when they first bombed when he first bombed the archive, I was kind of like, "Well, why is Starfleet involved? Because you don't send the Navy to go, you know, investigate why a bomb blew up in I'm not gonna say Chicago because I live here, Minneapolis." <laughs> <laughs> Right, you know, so the Navy do that, but you're right. That was uh, he did say that that was a uh, Section 31 uh, facility, and mm -hmm. so that's why they were involved. But I mean, my take on it too is Section 31 has been there since the beginning of Starfleet. It is actually in the charter for. It's not in the charter for Section 31 to exist. The way the charter is written allows for the operation uh, of a, a Section fact, 31. Now, Yes, which comes from Article 14, Section 31 um, of the Charter. Uh, and maybe people may read that one way or read that, you know, they got the Constitution and people read it one way, read it another way. But, you know, uh, uh, my theory also, too, is that you can't, since it's been there since the beginning, you can't expect it to operate the same for 200 years. Correct. You know what I mean? Right. And it's it's gonna ap operate differently. Maybe maybe at some point in time it needs to be in the shadows. Maybe another point in time it can operate, you know, more openly. Maybe another point in time, uh, you know, they have it's more centralized. Another point in time they have to have secret bases here and there. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we, yeah, we talked on this before. You know about like how uh, you got the Obsidian Order Order and like the Tal Shiar. Uh, which is probably worse than Section 31, but when you get down to Section 31, it's always they're always doing more than they should, but most of the time they're not doing something terribly, terribly bad. Besides you think so? What, besides what, what Admiral Marcus is doing right now. Um, so, well, okay, so this is just a question, just a question, just a question. So... I do realize that things things are different, right? So the the whole how they perceived what happened on uh, the USS Kelvin um, could have changed how Starfleet and the Federation operated, right? Um, so so I get that, but wouldn't you still assume that Section Thirty One has similar intents, no matter the timeline? I mean, yeah, no matter the timeline. Uh. They can have similar intents, but you know, if you get if you change three or four top people with different attitudes in one faction, that can everything change changes. Faction. It could, yeah, <laughs> everything I get changes. You. I get you. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, uh, Admiral Marcus had Khan. Admiral Marcus's ship, the USS Vengeance, is a Section Thirty-One ship that was designed by Khan Noonien Soon, which is kind of a trip and i assume he designed a transporter i'm trying to figure out what these badass torpedoes were supposed to do oh well you know we'll we'll, we'll never know but something else that we learned um his ship traveled faster 
than not what was it 9.9 they didn't say the speed they just said they were at warp didn't say the speed but they said his ship is traveling faster than warp 9.9 because it had to have been because um he said at some point i do go as fast as you can and he said 9.9 go 9.9 and in order for that ship to number one catch up and then overpower them that meant that their ship had to have been going faster than warp 9.9 okay are you thinking warp 10 or are you thinking 9.97 well once you're go... a big difference when it starts when you're warp that's, a huge, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's enough to catch up to another ship well well not that fast like it was seconds well, that whole scene was kind of crazy because they were literally at Kronos and then 30 seconds later they were they were at Earth. So I don't know how long that chase scene was actually, but they keep forgetting how far Kronos is. How far Earth it is, yeah. Because it's just like he, you know, seconds mean millions of miles when you're going that fast. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Star Trek has this whole thing about Warp 10. I don't want to get into that. But. <laughs> I think it's just a number that they came up with, like, "Hey, at warp ten, this is what's gonna happen. You, you're yeah. gonna be in another galaxy, you know, infinite, whatever. Infinite speed, uh, ludicrous speed, really. Uh, but but look, but look, you. So you mentioned earlier that that Carol, um, Carol Marcus is Admiral Marcus's daughter. Mm -hmm. um, in the movie, she also mentioned the fact that she mentioned two things. Uh, well, Spock mentioned one thing, the fact that she was a weapons specialist. And also she said that her father allowed her to, you know, look at the specifications of weapons. So my question to you is, do you feel that this Carol Marcus is part of Section 31 as well? I think she would have to be. I don't think she would be working um, on in some other Starfleet facility. And her dad just giving her Section 31 uh, schematics and say, oh, yeah, read this, baby. I love you. You know, I, you know, I love my little baby. Mm -hmm. Read these schematics. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, I think there's probably stuff, maybe some, some things he kept from her. Well, he obviously kept something from her. Mm -hmm. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, she would, she would have to be part of that. Um, and who knows? I mean, at this, at this point, we don't know what Section 31 has done in the past in the past i don't know 100 years 50 years i mean i if, if you want to if you want to have enterprise it's actual the show enterprise is canon still uh i guess you could know a few things but it's very secretive back then yeah so very, very much so um and yeah and so they as a as a franchise, they haven't had a whole lot of time to kind of explore that, mostly because Enterprise really was the only show that they could have talked about Section 31 um, because of where it lands in the in the timeline um, right. until Discovery. And wow, did Discovery ever really talk about Section 31? And so what we're doing right now is we're really not trying to talk about what we know Section 31 has done, um, at least in the Discovery era. Um, we're trying to keep it consistent to what we, at this point in the chronology of Star Trek, what we well, know. Well, Discovery is obsolete because Discovery is after the Kelvin timeline uh, begins. It begins at Kirk's, Kirk's birth date 
And I think that you, uh, you, you, do you mean discovery? Um, I'm because, saying that discovery. I'm saying this, this discovery is after the divergence of the Kelvin timeline. So, correct. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, their section 31 wouldn't coincide with the one in the uh, Kelvin universe. No, but no, but no, 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 Enterprise no, no, no. probably would. Okay. No, no, no. All I'm saying is that um, because we know that section 31 was around during Enterprise, we know that they have to have been around during Discovery. Oh, and yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that is exactly what we saw. Right, right. Okay. Mm -hmm. I got you. <clears throat> and, okay. And uh, that was a big ass. That vengeance is a, a big ass shift. I have a. I have so, so the fight scenes. I like them, but there's too much. Like uh, one thing I, I I don't like about the J.J. Abrams films. If we hadn't got a good ship battle yet. Like these ship battles are like three seconds long, and one ship loses, one ship wins. Maybe that's how it happened would happen in real life. But uh, we're used to these. Like, so so this movie is basically kind of a remake of the Wrath of Khan, because you had Khan in it basically, even though the uh, the story is line is a lot different. But they did a lot of things where they they took from the Wrath of Khan. Mm -hmm. um, one of the great things was the battle between Kirk and Khan. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the great things was. The relationship between Kirk and Khan. I mean, we lost. I, we lost that. Khan was just this random person that killed Pike. But in the other movie, Khan hated them, and he they had a relationship, and it, that whole movie was about vengeance. You know, Khan mm -hmm. was the spaceship vengeance in the Wrath of Khan. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I, I, so I feel like we we missed that emotion between them. Um. And then when uh, when when. Khan screams Khan, trying to coincide with Kirk screaming Khan. I think there's no comparison. Kirk's Khan scream is like ridiculously better. I think Zachary, he, he must have had to practice that like 72 times saying Khan <laughs> in his basement. Because <laughs> you got to hit that. You got to hit that right, bro. Because you. <laughs> Well, you know what? Um, so in these movies, they, you know, they don't have a whole lot of. They don't, they don't have a whole lot to hold their head on, mostly because character development is not something that they can really, 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 truly do in a movie. Because, you know, to your point, your earlier point, they're really trying to get a whole lot of the action in. Um, because let's face it, like that's a big reason why why movie go goers go to the movies. Right. They want to see some action. They want to laugh. They mm -hmm. want, you know, they want they want a little bit of romance. You know, they, they want a little bit of everything. And that's how these movies like really make a whole lot of money. And so. Um, character development, like we saw in Deep Space Nine, that's not going to happen. You know what I'm saying? And so to a large extent, they are relying upon our past knowledge to kind of inform what they're doing. Like even though cer certain things don't fit, we still know a little bit about those characters. And so we're trying to, you know, we're, we're trying to, to, to fit this circle into a square. <laughs> and so, you right, know, I mean. I understand. I understand things change, but some, sometimes it's just about how, how how they do it. That's that's all I'm saying. You know. Um, so when they get to Earth, they come out. Uh, the vengeance shoots them out. First of all, now they. This is another thing. Now they have like so their warp is like 
a slipstream. It's almost more like a, a hyperspace river than warp bubbles. Like it's like they're knocking them out of the river. You know what I mean? Rather than just like collapsing their 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 warp drive. Because if you look at that scene, they shoot them and then they're like they spin. It's like they they spin out of the. You're talking about what Vengeance did to Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. It's just okay. kind of weird how they do that. Um. So and then they end up at Earth, and uh, what? Then she tells him, "Dad, I'm on the ship." And then he gets her. Scotty saves the day. They do another. Uh, they do another. What do you call it? Base jump. Mukan. Well, they shoot. They shoot from the ship to ship to ship in those in those suits. Okay. Um. And really, right now, I guess they at this point in the movie, they're just trying to get to have Kirk being dead. Uh, oh, this so that's a big scene. That's a huge scene when Kirk dies, mm-hmm. um, which is a completely mirrored scene to when when Spock dies, and. Like you said, in the original one, we we've had since they had twenty years to think about the relationship between between Kirk and Spock. And they had all these episodes and a couple of movies, and that was like a sealed, great you know relationship. So that was really uh, you know that was like a heartfelt moment. Where I don't know if it was as heartfelt in this. They tried to make it that way. I think they're doing. I think they're giving Spock too many emotions in this movie. Because in every movie he's having emotion, these horrible emotions. <laughs> he's like screaming, he's ah, and then you know, then he's crying, and then I guess they're trying to show you how strong the emotion is. I think they should have they should have did when Kirk came back alive. It was the same thing they did back in TOS when when Spock thought that Kirk was actually dead. And then Kirk walked up behind him and he's like, Jim! And smiled, and then caught himself, and went right back. Like that point in Star Trek was so like crazy, and but they did it. Little Nimoy did did that perfectly. But I think that would have been better for him doing that. Um, and then so Kirk saving the day. It's kind of weird. Like basically saves the day. He just got to kick this thing into place. Like that's that's all that happens. <laughs> does Kirk even know how to do it? Does he even know how to do anything? Is he even a scientist? <laughs> I guess he knows how. To, yeah, there you go. You got to. He had to kick that thing like twenty-five times too. It's like I would have gave up after the first five times. Like, well, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, you know, he's a he's <laughs> he is the captain, and he's gonna go down <laughs> with his ship, and he's gonna do whatever whatever he. Can. I mean, the moment he went in there, he knew that he was gonna die, so he might as well give it his all. You know what I'm saying? But if you're really the captain of the ship, you don't go in there because you know there's somebody you send the best person that's gonna take care of that problem. But you know, they gotta have him be cowboy cowboy. Well, you like you well, okay, so like I hear what you're saying. So this is the thing. So <laughs> like I'm not okay, I can be critical, but there are some things that I just like look, I'm not gonna be critical about these things because it's just number one, it's just a movie. Number two, it's 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 a different timeline, and so things are gonna Things are going to be different. For instance, Spock's home planet just it, it no longer exists, right? So, yeah. like the people that he knows and loves, they're all gone. 
right? I'm not so, sure how I feel about so, that. So you've got to assume that this dude is highly emotional. And, and on a certain level, if his culture no longer exists, does it make sense logically for him to hold on to all the things that he's been holding on to? To him, yes. Meaning, but no, but I get, I get you. Yeah, I mean, it's like he lost his whole planet. Now he lost his friend. You know, he, he who else does he have close to him actually in life? Right. I mean, we don't really know. Like we don't, like we don't know. It's conceivable that his dad was on another world or on a spaceship. You know, it, it's it's conceivable that all those things happen, but we don't know that to be fact yet. Right. You know what I'm saying? But what what's up with his dad actually? Would they they show him in the first movie? Um, don't make me lie. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I don't remember. Oh, that they, they, no, his dad was in the first movie. Okay, yeah, no, because then he said I I lied. I I I married your mother because I loved her. So his dad is still alive. They they saved him. They didn't save her. Um, oh, you mean Amanda? Yeah, they they didn't save her. They saved they saved his dad. My thing about Klingons now. Is that they always seem angry? Like if you watch Enterprise, all them, all them Klingons are just assholes. No, I'm sorry, not Klingons. I meant uh, Vulcans. Sorry, I, I like these Klingons though. I, I like, I like that look. You yeah, like this look? So okay, so uh, so how different is this look than season one Discovery Klingons? It's a big difference. It's a big um, difference. I think it's pretty big. I mean, so. They don't they, they don't have hair, just like in Discovery. No hair. Look at their noses. The noses are like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what, like, you know, I don't know. Like in 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 Next Generation and in you know Deep Deep Space Nine, all of that, like they had a they yes, they had a certain look, but they all had hair. <laughs> they all had hair. But what we're seeing now is no hair. Well, you know, Discovery fans got people got really upset about that, and so much the fact that the writers changed it. So the Klingons and Discovery do have hair now. If you watch the last few episodes of Discovery with Klingons on them, a lot of them have hair, and they said they shave them for battle. They came up with that idea. I, th <laughs> I, think, I think that people put too much into this changing of the Kling. It's just the simple fact that you can't have Klingons. You can't have things looking exact same for 40 years. Like nobody complained about the first Klingons in the TOS. To look like to change and look what we know now from TNG and, and mm -hmm. from the films. I mean, I was happy with I'm okay with the Discovery Klingons. I think they're cool because I like the diversity of them. They're like mm -hmm. different colors, the mm -hmm. suits are different. Like the art, the art that they did on these are, are great. Um and I, it doesn't doesn't bother me at all. Uh, nah, it, actually, the, like uh, like I'm talking, but in reality, like I don't like I, once I know. Okay, this is who you are. This is what you are. I can roll. Uh, you're not going to get me. I'm not one of those people who are like originalist. This is how it was in the beginning. Fuck the beginning. <laughs> right. Everything changes. Everything changes for a reason, right? right? And just get on board. I mean, and and plus, just really, just about cosmetic stuff. I mean, I was fine, you know, in, in Enterprise, which I always say did, did so many great things about setting up Star Trek lore. 
like stuff that was already in place and them explaining why that was in place. But um, I, I didn't on the yeah on the show enterprise. I didn't I wasn't I didn't need them to explain why the Klingons had changed and had bridges. I mean it was a decent episode, but I didn't need that. I was like, okay, well, new art direction. I was I was fine with Clint when Worf just said, uh, "We don't discuss it with outsiders." I, I thought that was funny, and they should have left it at that. Well, I'll be honest with you, like I I expected them to explain at some point on TNG. They never did. And when they didn't, I was like, okay, I'm over it. When they took the time to explain it on Enterprise, I was thankful for it. But I never, like, you know, like all these people, like, upset about it. Like, it didn't, like, no, nah, I wasn't, like, I'm, I'm, I don't, like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Like, I, I just think, I think about the plot. Mm, this is the plot. What is its relevance, right? To, to me today in society. Let me think about that for a second. Mm, gotcha. All these other plot points. Well, kind of it's, well, it's it's kind of like how people or watch Discovery and they're like, well, Discovery looks more modernized than the Enterprise did. And it's like, because the Enterprise was created in the 1960s. It's like, you don't understand that we've just, we've updated our modern technology. I mean, Enterprise doesn't have computer screens. If you ever looked on the original Enterprise show, there's no computer screens. There's view screens where you can talk to people. Mm-hmm. There's no computer screens. And you look at their consoles, they're just buttons and knobs. Mm-hmm. They, they, I have no idea what the, these guys are doing. There's no readouts. <laughs> there's nothing telling them what they're doing. It's like they're all reading the blinking lights and Morse code and re- blinking lights. <laughs> and so the whole idea is just completely ridiculous. You have to upgrade the technology. Now you, mm-hmm. you got Bryce on on the um well I just or JJ Abrams where you actually have screens and stuff is happening and that's makes sense to me. I don't care that they updated the enterprise to our modern day. Yeah, no, no. not at all. Not one bit. Not at all. I, I care when they change the in 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 the movie we're talking about in the darkness there's a fight scene between Khan and uh Spock. And for some reason, they can't lock on to them because they're moving too mm-hmm. much. So Chekhov says this. Chekhov is the same exact person in the film right before that, that ran when the dudes were falling from the sky. And he ran through. Like, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And he runs down there. And he's I can do this. He's calculating shit. They're moving all around. He's like, gotcha. Beams them up. You know they 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 when they get when they beam in they still have velocity where they beam and they beam in like that but all of a sudden they're fighting on some transport ship and oh they moving man I can't do nothing I'm just gonna play this Gallagher though play this Gallagher real quick and you know the 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 first uh even on Enterprise the first was it the first transport they did for Archer. When they had to get him out of somewhere and they transport him, nobody trusted this this stuff mm-hmm. themselves. He mm-hmm. was running; at, he was literally running at the time. Mm-hmm. So I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't buy. And Spock's mom died because she was moving. I don't buy that whole moving thing. Don't buy it. Don't like it. They need they need to come up with something else. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, Uhura goes down to save him. <laughs> Which I'm not sure why that's the person you would send down to save him. Wait. <laughs> Khan, Khan is beating Scott's 
Spock said, you know, Spock, Spock could have stayed longer than anybody, right? He even did the arm, the Vulcan pincher on him. Kyle was like, ah, nah. And he pulled him off and he's beating Spock's ass. And for some reason, they send Uhura down there. Not sure. <laughs> they just, maybe because so you could have that the emotion. story, emotion between them, but it's like mm -hmm. she'd be not be the person you send down there. Well, if you think about it, it was actually kind of like a, a smart thing because who else is gonna gonna get to him to 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 get him to stop? You know what I'm saying? Well, all she had to say was we we need him to save Kirk, which is exactly what he had she had to say. But that's my point. Like if if anybody else had said it, would he have like taken the time to actually listen? It like it had to be her. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because it to him, he's in charge. That's number one. That's number one. He's in charge. He's the captain right. now, right? And he's emotional. And so no one else had the authority to to get to him in that way, in she, my opinion. She, and then she should have went down there like this. If you don't get your hands off of the hill, <laughs> <laughs> tighten her lips up. Um. <laughs> oh, so we're on. So we're on Spock's death. So it's two things I I, I want to know: which was shorter, which was longer, Kirk's demotion or Kirk's death? Like two two times, <laughs> he got shit taken away from him, and like three minutes later, this is give him up. Here you go. It's like court martial. Nah, I'm just playing. Death. Nah, I'm just playing. <laughs> we don't even have time to like even get emotional about it. Star Trek Rathacon, Star Trek Rathacon. Spock was dead at the end of that movie. Uh, they had a whole funeral and everything. Uh -huh. um, and you had to leave that theater and wait like three or four years before you found out how that turned out. So if you were smart, some people want to be like, oh, but they did shoot him. Down to Genesis, you know, Genesis creates life, right? But we didn't have like social media and all that to like mm -mm. talk back and forth and figure that out. But like, mm -mm. so the emotional impact of that was like, was crazy. Well, I just <laughs> felt like it was another one of those things where I, I know I love JJ Abrams' films, but one of those things where they, they dropped short on the emotional impact they had. I guess they're trying to, you know what it is? They're trying to get started. They're trying to give Star Wars just to be like, I mean, Star Trek to just be like Star Wars again. Like, just make it cool. Have a bunch of shit happen. Have stuff flying around, shoot people, and people walk out happy. I mean, and that's what, essentially, that that is exactly what, what happened. And even if you think about what then occurred as a result of those movies, you had Discovery. And how exactly is Discovery being shot? Discovery is being shot as if it is a standalone mini movie, right? Just, yeah. just in the way that they that um that everything is shot, right? Even even the the music, uh the the the, the lighting, all of that is reminiscent of a movie. Um, the, the production effects. value is production value is off the chain, right? Um, and so what? What I think they were trying to do, just what I think, what I think, what they, what I think they were trying to do is they were basically trying to say, hey, look, um, maybe perhaps hypothesis. What Star Trek has been missing all along is 
the idea of a movie because Star Wars, right? It, it didn't have all these, everything that, that you just said, right? It had information, information, information. Ooh, they're fighting. Ooh, this is what's happening. Ooh, this is what's happening. Star Trek, however, was so great about we're going to tell this story, right? Yeah. And come along for this story, right? And along the way, we're going to have this and we're going to have that, right? <clears throat> and so what I think they were trying to do was they were trying to merge those two things together um, in a nice way. And I think, for, I mean, look, they're in the middle of season four right now, and we already found out that season five has been greenlit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, like his seven, like the like the big ones. I mean, you know, they they might as well, might as well as as long as the cast wants to, you know, stay stay along. Like at this point, like even if Burnham died, we like okay, she died. Give us Saru. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I love, okay, I think Saru is fantastic. So I don't know. I don't have that emotional appeal um, towards I, I, him. I, I feel like he is like always on point with his with his stature and like the way he thinks about things, the way he handles things. Um, I think he's reminiscent of Picard. I like like I like like I get that. I get that. Um, but I just I, I don't have a connection to him. I think he I think to me, I think he was there to be the opposite of Burnham at all costs. And to an mm -hmm. extent. That is that is what your first officer is 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 there to be like. Every first officer has been almost the exact opposite of the, their captain, right? right? If you think about it, um, and so like I get it, um, and and because we loved Picard so much, he was kind of like a reminder of that. In my yeah, because he's sensible. I mean, right. that when you look at uh, uh, the current Kirk. On the on the uh, J.J. Abrams films, he's Captain Kirk, but like times ten. You know, he's because he, he's he still got that cowboy uh, feel to him, which was you know Captain Kirk was supposed to be like the cowboy type uh, <clears throat> captain, where uh, Picard was a more sensible one. So I feel like the Kelvin Kirk is to what the T.O.S. Kirk is. Is he's what to him what the TOS Kirk was to Picard basically, because he does he makes a lot of like rash decisions, and what I and like I said before, what I want to see is Kirk on the Enterprise commanding a space battle that takes him <laughs> that takes cunning and thinking, and then the Enterprise win. The Enterprise has been a horrible character for these all three of these films. Hmm. It, it's been, I mean, and what's the next one? Beyond? It just gets destroyed in the first, what, 15 minutes, 20 minutes of the film. It's ripped to shreds. Like, it's been, it has not, it's been outmatched in every single film. You know? So I, I, wa I want to see a, a good enterprise and a good, uh, a good space battle, you know. You find one of those nebulas is always just like hanging around, or <laughs> they're in trouble. Oh, just go to that nebula that's sitting right there under impulse. But you know, imp impulse is pretty fast. Impulse engines are like thirty percent the speed of light, so those things mm. are still pretty fast. Okay. Uh, 
Okay. So how do we end this movie? Kirk comes alive and everybody's happy. Oh, what I got, I got one thing to say. They fixed, oh, so yeah. So that one picture, I just wanted to say how many people got killed when the USS Vengeance smashed into the city? I mean, it had to be thousands and thousands of people. It had more than like people talk about the uh, Superman fight in Metropolis. I mean, those those buildings right there are like, I don't know what, 70, 80, 90 stories high. Mm-hmm. And it just, you have to realize this thing just dropped out of space. So it's going to smash through a, like Some a couple impact. miles yeah. of, of complete city. Mm-hmm. So that's, I, I think that's just crazy that they, that they did that. Now, you know what I'm thinking about? So, you know, in TNG, we learned of uh, weather dissipators. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it, it sounds odd, but why wouldn't the weather dissipators haven't, um, why wouldn't they have handled uh, that starship? I mean, because if you think about it, a starship is no bigger than um, a, a meteor. Uh, well, it depends on the size of a meteor. Hopefully a meteor is way smaller than a starship or you got a big problem. Um, well, yeah, you know. those... Um, Star, that's all the starships are pretty big, but you think the what was a weather modification net? Mm-hmm. Weather modification net, whatever it's called. Oh. I thought it was just called weather dissipator. Um, but, um, um, do you think those things are like uh filled with some type of energy that they could focus somewhere wherever they want? I don't know how it runs, I don't even <laughs> look. I just remember they talked about it and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, but only because like, I just saw this and I was just thinking, oh, if that were a meteor, um, how would, you know, how, Oh, you're talking would... about for, okay. For, for defense. Yeah. Well, if, with that in mind, I mean, they literally went to earth. So why aren't there other Starfleet vessels around? they like, uh, I mean, could help we, with that fight. We, we have already, <laughs> we've already talked about the fact that most of the stuff that happened in this movie just kind of happened just because and we, we have we have to, to to suspend belief in almost all matters in order to accept this movie um because what we've come to understand in star trek is not what we've seen in these in these movies especially this one right and, and see I, maybe that makes me um may, part of it too is because uh i've written a couple of books and i i have to ask myself those same questions like that's is this consistent is this oh, consistent okay. and that's pretty stupid oh, oh i literally have to go back and read my own book and, and go to another book and read something and be like oh no he said that was it was 42 inches okay i gotta do that <laughs> or, or just if somebody does something i have to be like does that make sense for him to do that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or that's mm-hmm. so but i'm sure i still fall through the cracks too i'm sure everybody does yeah, like yeah you're talking about stuff that can't really happen and isn't really happening. So it's got to fall short somewhere. What mm-hmm. one thing, last thing I wanna I wanna know if this falls short. At the end of the movie, the enterprise is rebuilt. I don't know how long it took or whatever. And they're back on the enterprise. Kirk is captain. And they ask where they ask him where should we go? They're gonna go on a five-year mission. And the question is where should we go? 
I think that's a kind of an odd question. Doesn't Starfleet have a like a map or plan for them? I mean, how often and you watch Star Trek? Well, how often has well in TNG, the, the same thing was the same, the same question was asked. And uh Picard just said wherever. Well point it somewhere and let's go. But not from Earth. Like I would I would think if you're leaving from Earth, Starfleet would be like, okay, you're gonna go that way and explore over there you go now from there you have like kind of you know you can go do what you kind of want but they have an area where they want you to go that's what i'm thinking i think i think um they they figure out where their ships are and they say look we need you here so we need you now to move here um i think they they try to give this is again this is just what i think i think they try to give their captain some leeway um and but um in, in terms of the Navy, no, um, in terms of the Navy, we want you here, 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 here. Do not, you know, do not leave yeah. these bounds um, unless we tell you to do so. Um, but, you know, this is this is space. And I, I and if you like really pay attention, these captains have always kind of determined where they, you know, where they wanted to go. And no one was really, like unless they had a mission. If they had a mission, like yes. Yeah, so that mission is definite, but I feel like, I feel like maybe okay, maybe they just send them to a certain sector or a certain grid, and then from there they can decide, rather than just be like okay, there's a ship, and not even tell them any direction whatsoever. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And so a, a, another time that they do that from Earth is when Captain is when uh, they're gonna decommission the Enterprise and they want them to bring it back, and then they're like, it's box like to hell with that. And that's when Kirk says second star to the right and straight on till morning. I believe that that's the undiscovered country or it's probably undiscovered country. Mm, and that was like an intense moment. And he says second star to the right, straight on till morning. <laughs> that's from Peter Pan. No, oh, really? But, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's uh let's let's close this out. Let's close this out. Um, thank you all for taking uh, this most delightful trek with us. Um, this has been the fifth installment of Section 31. Um, you are seeing us on a Saturday, so I hope you have enjoyed your Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, and hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Um, uh, thank you for subscribing, liking, commenting, sharing, and watching us so many different times. Um, make certain that you uh, that you send this uh, <laughs> that you send this link to as many people as you possibly can. Um, Jason, say your farewells. Thank you, everybody, for having me. Jermaine, thank you for having me once again. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, had a good talk. Uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, drop your comments and your links. And if we got anything wrong, let us know. I'm sure somebody will. <laughs> Let us know we got something wrong. It's a lot of information sometimes. But uh all right, man. Appreciate it. All right. See y'all.